0: Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com.
1: Hello and welcome to the Runner's World podcast with me, Rick Pearson, and me, Ben Hobson. Today, we're talking with Reese Parkinson and Jim Farving about their new running documentary, How to Run 50 Miles. For the fans,
2: Rick, for the fans, this is the second week without Jane, so should we, we? I'm just going to apologise.
1: But we should reassure people, shouldn't we, that this isn't going to just be me and, and you. It hasn't reverted talking. back to the old, the old standard. The, the no. dark days. Oh, no, Jane's, Jane's on holiday. So yes. <laughs> I think you're, that's a good reason not to do a podcast, isn't it? I think podcasting from, like, the Sun Lounge or whatever, you know, that's yeah. a step beyond, isn't it? I mean, we could have
2: asked her, but I think she probably <laughs> would have rightly said... You two need to leave me alone. I'm on holiday.
1: <laughs> yeah, probably. Yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> um, how's he running? Yeah, running's going all right. So um, I can kind of run uh, quite slowly for not too long. So, kind of like inside an hour without any knee pain. That's so good. I, I, that's, that's what I'm doing, really. So, I'm about to kind of run in, you know, three 10Ks a week, which is kind of, I think that's probably the, the sort of the furthest I can go. Um, without any doing any any damage basically so that that feels really good mate i mean i, I guess everything gets relative doesn't it like if you said six months ago right you're gonna be running you know less than 20 miles a week uh i might be like oh really oh, like yeah that's a bit of a shame yeah i've kind of i'm, I'm yeah my fitness is gonna be going backwards but then obviously when you're like you can't run at all to so you're like i'm back and i can run like 10k three times yeah. a week yeah, yeah. Uh, it's suddenly, like, oh, like, uh, it's a bit of a cliche, but yeah, I've definitely I've got that kind of gratitude for um, just running around and yeah, no, no huge, um, no huge plans. Well, I have heard about this race, the Box Hill Vertical Kilometer, which uh, mm. it's not a classic vertical kilometer, like, you don't do it all in one go, but you rack up um, a thousand meters of ascent over a fairly short distance, and that's in December. So, I'm kind of like, could I get myself into some sort of shape for that. Always good to have a race. It keeps you honest, doesn't it? it Get something in the diary. I reckon. Yeah, so- true.
2: And it's not. It's not. It's not an, a long way. So you don't have to guess. Worry no. so much about that sort of like that sort of stuff. You just got to go and do loads of hills.
1: Yeah, I guess so. Or I. Could, I feel like maybe in my new my, my new um you know gratitude grateful mindset ben i'm just going to turn up and just enjoy it you know yes just great to be out there oh all that kind of thing <laughs> great oh i love that yeah yeah, yeah. i yeah. think that's exactly it Rick. and then you realize that it's quite hard to run a thousand meters in a yeah in- i think it'd be i think it'll be quite a chastening experience so that yeah that's my that's my hope mate how are you yeah good a similar though i think
2: to to i'm just happy to be out still just plodding away doing the bits and pieces a race would be good as you say to keep you honest give a bit of focus and all those sorts of things but um I had, uh, this is one that the listeners will be really interested to hear about. Um, I got inner thigh chafing this morning for the first time in, I think, many a year. And I uh, that reminded me just the, the the plights of running. You know, the things that we put ourselves through. Yeah, it's awful. It ruined the whole experience for me. I mean, if you're a regular chafer, my heart goes out to you because it was not cool. And, was, you know, I tried to work out what it was, Rick. Uh these shorts that I've worn before—I've worn them many times before. I've raced in them, not a problem. Maybe my legs have got bigger. I hope not, because then you know wh- where am I going? What's going wrong? But anyway, it happened, and you know, sudacrim, everyone, Sudacrim is what was applied, and I feel fine now. But that was that was the that was you know a, a stark reminder of the the perils of going for a run.
1: I know what you mean. I think there, there are some, uh, there are other in- injuries like this, aren't there? Like blisters, which are probably, they can be a real bane of running, but I think probably early on. That's the kind of, probably the first 18 months of running where your feet actually aren't as tough as a. Oh, yeah. Then they just turn be. into
2: sort of bricks of skin and you're fine after yeah. that point. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then unless you do something absolutely mad, like, you know, some kind of big ultra marathon, blisters probably aren't, they're, they're just not a, something you have to factor in. So, yeah, I think that's really true that there are these kind of. Ailments that you maybe forget about when you've been running for a while because you don't get them anymore. But there you go, back to chafing. Back to good old, good
2: old fashioned retro chafing.
1: (laughs) Hey, look, Ben, this this is a good one. So, um, you know, one of the endless debates in running, probably alongside like, do you measure your runs in miles or kilometres, is is about stretching. So, I think, um, and and it's and it's mostly the kind of uh, the stretching you do before a run. So, are you a stretcher? Well, I am actually. Um, Are you dynamic
2: or static?
1: See, I, well, I've been been doing dynamic stretching, right. like and some kind of like, like a bit of plyometric yep. stuff, like a bit of kind of hopping and all that sort of stuff. Yep. Looking a bit weird down my street, but yeah. Well, and that, that's been pretty much received wisdom, right? Is that dynamic stretching, so these kind of continual movements through a range of motion, like uh, I guess like leg swings would be like the obvious example of that. That's what you want to do before a run, and then static stretching is what you want to do after a run. So that's like your classic like quad stretch that you might hold for thirty seconds or etc um and what you don't want to be doing is static stretching before before running that that has no um positive effect and it can even have a negative effect that's kind of where we'd arrived at yeah in this debate, sort of right?
2: like a, the idea of being a cold muscle unduly stretched
1: beyond its yeah limb. yeah yeah that sort of stuff right exactly all that stuff so but anyway so, so the latest turn the latest twist and turn oh, is it, is it debate, 180 now everyone should just be static stretching <laughs> yeah so basically we found out is um New study that was published in uh, the Journal of Environmental Research and Public Health, which I like to read before I go to bed. Yeah, it's, it's great, my favourite. Um, One doctor. of my favourites. Yeah. Um, and they basically wanted to find out a little bit more about stretching and found out if this was true. Um, so they recruited... Uh, it was a small study. So it was eight male distance runners. And they did three different runs to l- into exhaustion, basically. And, and, uh, so, and before each test, they'd either do um, static stretching, dynamic stretching, or no stretching at all. Um, and they found out that uh, actually both dynamic and static stretching you got great benefits which were like uh reduced uh perception of effort and improved running economy but and that that was regardless of whether you did dynamic or static they were a lot better than doing uh nothing at all so off the back of that actually looks like you know what you don't want to be doing is no stretching before you run but actually the idea that you shouldn't do any static stretching suddenly that's looking a bit like "Mm, actually the evidence here isn't quite um as clear cut as you uh, as you might so, think. So, so there you go.
2: So once again, ladies and gentlemen, do what feels right. That's it. do what feels right. Just yeah, do, do what works for you. So if I think mean, I mean, that's right, that's right. Yeah. Yeah, you know, just don't do 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 a stretch, but if you find a static is actually you know how your body responds, keep going. But if not, you know, try out some some dynamic stuff. I'm more of a dynamic kind of guy. I like to get the sort of like replicate the range of motion that running delivers but kind of like warm and warm up the muscles into that sort of like program of thinking and that's kind of you know like your lunges and you're sort of like with some turns and some as you say hopping down the street looking a bit weird
1: uh, that sort of stuff yeah yeah exactly so um yeah quite quite interesting so i'm sure it's not the end of that debate we're rumbling on but um oh i've we got a letter ben as well love a letter we've So thanks very, very much to uh, Susan Wallace, who says, Hi, Uh, Rick, Ben and Jane. A quick and overdue email to say, thanks for your podcast leading up to London Marathon. I would never have thought uh, to email you apart from the fact that two pieces of advice I picked up from the Runners World podcast worked. Yes. I thought I'd let you know. Come on. Yes, Oh, my God. So never listened to a podcast before and started listening to yours maybe two to three months ago during my longer training runs to London Marathon. It's short and sweet, fun and informative, easy listening, and a bit of company on my long run. So, thanks for that. Um, the main reason for emailing is uh to tell Jane that on a, on a few occasions during the marathon, particularly the latter stages, I did shout trust your training, yes, to myself. Oh, yes, so, this is, so this, we just as a bit of background to this, this is what um Jane's brother shouted at Jane in the last sort of last few miles of a marathon. She said that it was. It was really motivated. Uh, and she said, also, I
2: think she said it was deeply unnerving and motivating when he yeah, did it. Yeah, a, a kind of
1: heady cocktail. Um, <laughs> and then uh, she continues. And having uh, visualised myself sprinting across the finish line in 4.20 on the clock, something else I picked up on the podcast. Mm. I, um, I sprinted-ish over the finish line, stopped my watch and looked down to see 420 oh i know my how, goodness. how spooky so there you go i listened to your advice and it worked to keep it up so thanks very much to susan wallace for uh for writing in it's always great to hear from people um and you uh, look if uh, have we helped you <laughs> hey guys from, hey guys we, listening have we, have have we been helped incredibly you? unhelpful let, <laughs> let us know um uh, podcast at runnersworld.co.uk there you go hey, hey, look our, our guests this week so we've got two we've got uh recent and jim who made this well, they made a kind of two-part documentary, haven't they? So the first one was how not to run fifty-five miles, which was kind of uh, when Reese's attempt to do this ultramarathon kind of fell apart for various reasons, including the pandemic. And then they're back with how to run uh, fifty miles, which is on BBC iPlayer. And uh, I mean, we really like it, mate, don't we? Because it's like it's a it's kind of like an unflinching look at what um, what an ultramarathon can be like, particularly if you're new to it and you haven't given yourself maybe as long to train as as might, you know, might be ideal. Um, And it's kind of, uh, yeah, it's good. I'd
2: agree because I like a lot of the stuff that you see that documents people running ultras particularly, it tends to be quite polished. They're normally, they're already like quite established. I'm thinking more YouTube if you sort of go and have a look at the guys who, who are making that sort of stuff. It's either a brand or it's like an established runner and they're, the output is really engaging and you get a real insight, but the likelihood is that this is their 40th ultra or something. Do you know what I mean? And they're, they're very well rehearsed. Whereas this with Reese is, you know, it's the first, it's the first, first outing. And it's like, absolutely. And he, what, what was interesting was he was really, he, you'll hear he was very concerned about coming across as uh grumpy or like angry in the midst of his ultra. So like he was sort of, cause he's quite, he's a very positive guy. He, what he puts out there is like, you know, kind and responsible, you know, he's like, that's who he is. And he was like worried that people were going to be like a bit like, oh wow, he's got really annoyed with Jim halfway through this race. That's, that's not great. And it's like, well, that's because he's running further than he's ever run before and he's like suffering and it's horrible. And, and it's like, that's, that's the sort of bits that are quite interesting about this documentary. That's what's nice about yeah, it.
1: Yeah, completely mate. Yeah. I think like it, you know ultra marathons even marathons that like, they they push you to like not only f- your physical limits but also your kind of emotional ones and that and yeah the stuff that comes out when you're uh when you're really tired like that yeah you do get a bit short with people yeah i, I think i've said a lot worse to people doing ultra marathons oh that, my I'm just, god like, just glad no i just glad no one was
2: filming. i also wouldn't care <laughs> i absolutely wouldn't care like he was really like oh, i was quite concerned about it i'd be like i would not care in a single iota <laughs> if i was like if i was effing and jeffing away at people i would not be that
3: bothered
1: yeah. yeah, no, it's it's really good. So, uh, yeah, we're really glad to get him on. So, um, should we get on our guest of the week? Yes, let's speak to them. Guest of the week,
2: here in the studio. Guest of the week, sometimes on the
1: phone. Could be an athlete, could be a physio or a complete unknown. Reese and Jim, welcome to the Runners World podcast. Um, Reese, can we start with you? Um Remind us what motivated you to take on an ultra marathon in the first place.
4: Yeah, so the f- thanks for having me back first and foremost. I appreciate <laughs> oh, that. Um, you keep running, you come back. It's yeah. basically that's it. <laughs> well, this will be my last one then, oh, I guess. Oh, fine. <laughs> <laughs> no, the first uh, part one of the documentary, we were kind of looking for that reason why and it never really came until I got diagnosed with type 1 diabetes. And then uh, which was during the doc and then after that, that was the the biggest reason why. And as soon as I got it, when I was in hospital, I knew, well, the uh, first thing other than getting better was, well, how to deal with it because it's there forever. Um, but the, the first thing was, right, I've got to complete this race now because there's this whole community online that... Even just by putting it as an Instagram posting hospital, I got so many messages from people going, mate, I've got this, don't worry, like, I'll, I'll give you this, that and that. And, you know, someone from my documentary found me from that as well, uh, Jack the PT. Uh, so I had so many messages and I was like, wow, you know, even kids that have got type 1 diabetes. And I was like, well, there's my reason I've got a kind of, you know, that's my reason for doing it.
2: Jim, what motivated you to make a documentary about it?
3: (laughs) These are interesting. I haven't heard this. this.
4: Well, I feel like we've got
3: different backstories of where this doc came from. I swear I saw Reese put out either a tweet or like an Insta story saying, I want to run an ultra. And I'd already been kind of looking at ultras about doing it myself. And I was like, there's a documentary in that. Especially because I already knew Reese like we were mates beforehand. Um, And yeah, it's just, it was kind of like... I hadn't seen much about it on BBC before, especially not for like young audiences. Um, so I thought let's just follow it and see what happens because if you're setting out to run 50, 50 or fifty-five miles for the first time, it's probably not going to be easy sailing. There'll probably be some <laughs> yeah, kind of right. twists and turns along the way. Are you saying um, that you knew you'd
2: get something like decent out of it in terms <laughs> of suffering?
3: He to, yeah, you <laughs> wanted to do it in like a month. I was like, well, is that a good idea? <laughs> I'll film it <laughs> let's
4: see I think that was like actually trying to get it commissioned was the biggest problem was well why what's the like so Where's we're kind of jeopardy? yeah we're lucky that we got it over the board just by even there not being any kind of illness you know because um, that in itself was like uh, a bit boring why is anyone going to watch someone just want to run 50 miles
3: I did have to prove the fact that it was kind of becoming more mainstream more interested
1: by younger runners um so, yeah, that kind of helped get it over the line as well. Did you think, Jim, when, when we said, like, I want to do this and I want to do this in a month, were you like, this, this can happen? Or did you think, actually, this, this is possibly a step beyond?
3: Like, this entire process of making this documentary, I've been anxious <laughs> <laughs> about right. the end result. <laughs> um, when he said he wanted to do that one in kind of, what was it 37 days or something from when we started filming? Um, that was The Cheviot Goat uh i knew it was a massive undertaking like i had done the london marathon and that was consistent training for like three months and that's on nice concrete in the in the daytime in the light uh in decent nice age
1: stations yeah crowds Crowds. yeah (laughs) yeah
3: no the closer we got to that first potential uh ultra it was starting to dawn on me like oh my gosh is this a good idea and then he got diabetes, <laughs> like out of nowhere. So yeah, it's been wild the entire time.
4: Did you ever doubt it, Rhys, or not? Uh, it's completing this ultramarathon or the fir- the Cheviot one. Maybe let's start with the first one. Yeah, yeah that, Cheviot the Cheviot one. one was extreme naivety. So I didn't. <laughs> I w- I, w- I wouldn't even. I don't think I'd be in position to even think. Well, both really were just both being extremely naive. Like I don't, because I'd never have done that before. I didn't measure it up to anything. The only mm. thing I measured it up to was doing a marathon when I had like one water bottle. Uh, so, so that was like the oh, well. I guess it'll be two of that. You know, um, yeah. that's how I had it in my head. But there's a guy called Jack in a documentary who's the documentary. Oh, Is the I've already mentioned the PT. But he said saying amazing and i I only found out when i watched it for the first time jim asked him a question what do you say jim you go like oh do you think he's gonna do it right what's Uh, good yeah when you went off
3: for a swim yeah was my opportunity to get kind of what he really thought yeah
4: and but you led into it kind of like you know he hasn't trained much what do you think jack and jack's answer when i look back and when i watched it i had to pause it because i was like wow he basically said he's so naive that it's actually a positive like, he, <laughs> and, and yeah. like and,
3: he's not scared because he doesn't know what he's getting himself into. yeah and it yeah, made yeah. me
4: realise and I went well you can kind of take that and just put it to life you know, like if we all knew that one day our parents are gonna die. One day we may have a health scare. One day I, uh, we're gonna break up with our girlfriends. It's gonna be painful. We're gonna get. There's gonna be idiots you have to work with. If we knew all this when we was like two years old, or in our in our mum's womb, we would probably go, "I don't want to come out." You yeah, know, you get nowhere. So you, you, yeah, you'd be like, "I don't even <laughs> yeah. want to." Do, why would I yeah. even come into this yeah. world? Yeah. yeah so yeah. it was like being naive is. Mm a strength like yeah you should look at life and be like when someone says oh they're so naive like now when i see that it's like that's a good thing like that you don't know what you're doing otherwise if you did you'd be like this mammoth task of running an ultra marathon why would i ever if i knew how much pain i was going to be in why would i ever put myself through that you wouldn't you know
3: see how much he spins anything into just (laughs) not doing training but Ah. novelty is a strength Ah. (laughs)
2: <laughs> i not
3: about to
2: put up with 18 months he's <laughs> <laughs> naive about documentaries It's just like what could possibly go wrong with a documentary it's fine
1: um how did you um sorry Bing, no yeah. go ahead mate how did you pick the race because it's it's an interesting one like with, with the documentary it's not the most like you haven't gone for like uh, a race to the stones or a race to the king on these huge ultra marathons it's actually quite quite a small scale probably harder in some ways because you're on your own for but it, it certainly didn't look flat either so how did you go about picking the uh the 50 mile race so
3: yeah with with this most recent dock we basically knew there was a kind of timeline of when we wanted the dock to get out so that narrowed it because we needed one july august time um needed one between 50 i was looking between like 50 and 75 ish um so that narrowed it down further wanted to be out of the Southeast, like me and Reese, both want to just you know like get out of London, get into Wales or Northumberland, wherever. Um, so narrowed it down to like maybe three or four, and then ran them past Reese, um, and he said, "Oh, this one could be good. This one, time wise, might be good." And then that that's the easy bit of when you kind of whittle them down. Then you need to get the race director on board to let to, to let someone who's never run one before with type one diabetes yeah, and a film right. crew yeah. kind of descend on you yeah, for the day. Right. Um, but yeah, we both, uh, were keen on this one, uh, Pegasus is the, the brand, um, Rhys Jenkins is the race director and it was called the Edom. Um, yeah, just in a kind of unspoiled, unknown bit of Wales. It wasn't like an obvious location. It was kind of out the way a bit. Um, and yeah, we, we settled on that one. It kind of all aligned. Rhys, I don't know if you're familiar with Rhys Jenkins, the race director of that one. Uh, no, no. But right. he is like next level ultramarathon. And okay, he, right. he, he broke the record to run from John O'Groats to Land's End whilst doing the three peaks along the way.
1: All oh, right, so, pretty, casual. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> pretty casual. Yeah, pretty casual.
3: Yeah. He's done amazing things. So, yeah, he was lovely. And, yeah, let us get on board. Great.
1: Yeah. It does look beautiful, actually, the route. I mean, so much of Wales is like that, isn't it? But it was properly out, you know, out in the rural hilly bit of Wales yeah
3: yeah I mean it was also a bonus that it's about an hour and a half from where I'm currently living <laughs> <laughs> but that wasn't one of the main reasons um race. let's talk
2: about the race itself um because you know if it, people who haven't seen it just how are you feeling beforehand and then what did it feel like once you'd got past that marathon distance
4: yeah I know we were kind of joking about uh training and lack of training but it's not like I wasn't kind of um in some shape at all you know like I didn't completely do this out of out of the random I've been running and still did like odd marathons here and there in the build up towards it as well it yeah, just yeah. I wasn't sticking to that kind of get 30 miles in on a Saturday on, on a Monday get a 20 and get another 20 yeah. at the end of the week like I wasn't doing that I, I just yeah. uh which is my own fault but kind of my work so sporadic that it, it i would have really had to dedicate this like like i'm doing this documentary and that's my job rather like oh you have a daily radio show oh you gotta go up to manchester to film this oh you got to, and it was just like ah well 20 miles in on on a monday it just can't you know i'd have to leave work but um yeah so the build up to the race like uh, was really interesting because when we got there we did uh the day before was it the, no a week before sorry or, or Two weeks or a week before, we did a practice run. So we did like uh ch- between one checkpoint, so like B to C on the checkpoint. Me and Jim did a run, which is about fourteen mile or like half, uh, about sixteen. Okay, oh yeah, sixteen yeah. miles, and that was, <laughs> of course, it was. But it was the easiest part of the race that we ran. We didn't know, that. we didn't, we didn't know that. So I'm going. I think, literally, I'm getting a bit, like, overconfident because I'm, I've got this in a bag. If that's 16 miles, like, and that's all it is, like, there was some hills and stuff, but it was all on my perfect terrain, which is, like, that, which I've learned. It's, like, that stony mountain kind of, like, kind of like gravel. gravel. Road, I love that it? more than yeah. road, like, or grass. Or I just, I don't know, something about it. I just love it. Um, And I was like, this is, this is perfect. Then it gets to the race, so I'm feeling a lot more confident now. And it's kind of when we start is when... I understand what a trail really is. Uh a trail isn't a normal park. A trail is like you can break your ankle at any moment. And I'm like, <laughs> what the hell? This for 50 miles? Like, right. who has who enjoys yeah, yeah. running in this? Um, and looking at some of the characters as well, I was like, How is he gonna finish this race? And it's like some 70-year-old geezer with a backpack on, he's got a stick, and I'm like, and then, you know, he gets... It's
3: not a walking
4: stick, though, is <laughs> it? Yeah. <laughs> but, like, he he may use a walking stick in real life outside of racing hours. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then he obviously overtakes us later on in the race. And I was like, all these characters, uh, I wasn't expecting just so many different body shapes and sizes. You know, mm. I, I thought it was just going to be kind of like us four, really, like... I'd just be like oh our kind of body shapes and that would be it but there was so so many different ones but yeah when I, when I got to the marathon distance is I can't remember what checkpoint that was but
3: so I think that was around checkpoint 3 is that when I started when you had that lonely quite, run before yeah you had that quite lonely spell yeah. um, and you're like that's the hardest thing I've ever yeah. done I was like, oh, oh no. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Still a long way Yeah, to that, that
4: was probably the one... Well, it just got harder after that, but that was a really hard part because it felt like I was running through like a rainforest. Wherever that bit was, was so isolated on your own. I couldn't see anyone in front. I couldn't see anyone behind me. And my headphones got wet, so they just broke. So I was like... Phew can't turn back now. And when you're in that position where you literally can't turn back and you have to only go forward, because if you turn back turn back, you're going the same distance as you are if you just carry on. So I'm like Did you think that? Did you debate turning right? I didn't debate quitting, but it was more just like my phone has no signal to call you guys. Uh, so the only the only thing I can do is someone to carry me the rest of the way. But like <laughs> so as in like a backup of like I there's no version of me getting out of here unless an ambulance can't even drive through here like i literally have to so i'm like i have no choice um so that kind of that you get that kind of booster don't you do you guys find when when you get these weird little boosters where your brain just kind of goes can do another five and you do it but it's not until you're in that situation
2: that you have to, your brain's not, not gone through those thought processes because you kind of like, there's always an out with everything that we end up doing. Like you just, you, when you enter into something in a race, bit, you know, in a town or something, or you're going for a trail run, there's always like a, an option. But sometimes you actually get out in these things and you get to a stage where you go, I've actually, I'm in the middle of nowhere. What can, what is, what are my options? And that's when your brain just goes, Oh, don't know <laughs> no. wow yeah. yeah better survive yeah. Yeah. yeah and that's that's. I think that's definitely within ultras because you're obviously fatigued as well and everything's like if you had a really low bit and they are very lonely if anyone's used to doing races where they're surrounded by people all the time like suddenly you're on your own and you're having to deal with mm. yourself and the race and that's it and then yeah your brain just kind of goes right you could lie down here and I reckon if you slept <laughs> someone will find you <laughs> <laughs>
3: That's what you were saying, the Reese, about the loneliness element. Because even though yeah. you normally run on your own, you're in London or wherever, and there's people everywhere. Yeah. But this race, what had like
4: fifty odd people in it? There's no, there's no cars. Hmm. There's no like, no one's nothing. driving. There's nothing. And I don't think I've been in. I don't think I've been. In, come to think of it, have I even been anywhere where there's been no one? Like I'm not. I've not gone camping. You know, I've not hmm. done one of those. Hmm. You know, I live in Kent, which is fairly countryside, but not deep ken you know so i'm mm. like i don't ever think i've been in this position when my phone's not work there's no one around me there was uh, just the next checkpoint after like from that first mile part to the checkpoint after that to take me up to 34 miles 35 miles maybe because it was like every 9 miles i think wasn't it mm. yeah, um, it was about
3: every 8 9 miles the checkpoint
4: yeah it was there was this guy i wish i wish i remember his name he's such a he was such a gentle kind guy but he said to me like he was like he saw me struggling and he went oh me i just got to do a Welsh accent. Let me not. He went, oh mate, um, uh, don't worry. If if you just walk from now, you'll complete the race in fourteen hours. Like it will take you another fourteen hours, but at least you would have completed it. And he said it so genuine, like just just walk, you'll be fine. And he and I went fourteen hours more, <laughs> and I was already kind of like seven eight hours in by then. I was like, and and that gave me another booster, you know. So it was all these negatives that actually. Made me go, I'm not doing that. I can't. You know, and, and that got me through to the next checkpoint. This is the Runner's World podcast.
0: This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Gigi Palmer.
1: I think one of the interesting subplots in this is is the, the the relationship between you and Jim and how it kind of gets a little bit fraught in the latter stages of an ultramarathon, which I think would be is pretty standard actually. I think anyone who's kind of crude for someone it, it it brings out that kind of extreme emotions in the person who's taking part. I'm interested, Jim. Was it was it hard for you in those sort of latter stages to balance your desire to be a friend to Reese, but also um, the kind of job of making a film at the same time? Yeah.
3: It, it, it was really hard, actually. Yeah. So I joined Reese for the last two stages, which was like 13, 14 miles or something. Um, and I knew that he'd been struggling with like the loneliness element and he was just like exhausted. So I was like, right, I'll join him, film as we go, help navigate um, and just keep him company. We started off like not really chatting much, but it's like fine because I, whenever I've done long runs I get to a stage where everything is kind of a lot and you don't really want to speak and it's just like just get it done um, but yeah so I was just obviously trying to film as much as I could and it was going to get to the stage where Reese was like not overly keen on having a camera in his face all the time which is understandable yeah. like yeah for sure when yeah. you're really struggling that's probably the last thing you want um, so yeah it was a constant like communication of like you actually happy with me filming now like making sure and then it kind of hit a bit of a breaking point a couple of times um but yeah there was actually one point where i had to really balance kind of how reese was and work which is the the picture used in the doc like the thumbnail so when you click on it the main picture it's like him just struggling like this that was probably about 44 miles in and it was like he was really struggling and I was like, mate, can you just stop here? I want to take a picture of you. He's like,
4: what? <laughs> I'm
3: like, no, channel all that anger at me in this photo I just need. Yeah. So I'm glad we got it. But it was, yeah, it was tricky to balance throughout. Yeah, for sure. But and also on the on the last kind of stretches, um my one camera ran out of battery, and that's when we started getting kind of like emotional and stuff. And luckily I had some like rubbish old work phone it still had like 10 percent battery i was like that was what the last bit was filmed on but yeah it was hard
1: but it's a great bit of the film i think it really is because i think these ultramarathons in your head they can be you can see yourself having a kind of gliding through it or them being quite glamorous but actually the the reality of the latter stages of ultramarathon can be quite it can be quite like drudgery i guess in the moment and then maybe you look back and feel you know better about it afterwards but I think to capture that in an honest way it gives it a film a real I don't know an authenticity and a, and a credibility I, I, I loved watching the um the latter part because I just felt like I, I've been I've been that person as uh, well for yeah, sure. I go- yeah I was
4: gonna ask you fair play for for that because from a from a you uh you two I respect you a lot as runners um that's interesting that you saw it that way because my first thing was I was a bit worried I was like oh, I'm gonna get some backlash over this because no he's so he's so rude How's he talking to the right. guy that's helping him so much about this? And I messaged Jim and I was like, oh, because anything else I do is usually a positive, uplifting stuff. And that's the only time I've watched Sank on myself that's been like, like, swear, like, F off. to the." But yeah. I've only done that to very few people in my, like, very close friends or family see that kind of side, you know. So oh, I, I feel was <laughs> yeah. No, I was. Uh, yeah, I was generally, I was. I was a bit worried, but it's interesting that you saw it. as like ah, been there. Like definitely, yeah. Definitely, I think anyone
1: who's put themselves in some kind of physical extreme knows that it also has an impact on yeah your personality as well. I, th- I think it, I think it's it's really good. It gives it yeah it gives it a kind of a truth a truthfulness to the documentary. It's not like hasn't been airbrushed too I, much. We, no.
3: that's kind of what we were going for the whole time we just wanted it to be like as real and as honest as possible that's kind of why i was in it a bit just because i mates with recently could get like a more honest i don't know version of events rather than it being all a bit too like set up and framed and yeah the kind of like you whatever. know
1: sort of motivational music and you kind of running the last miles and stuff actually that isn't that isn't the reality of ultramarathons for the vast majority of people so i think I think that was a real, a real strength for the film, I think. For sure. And also, they're you know, they're there to strip you back a bit. That's why people like to do it. They want to be,
2: you know, see what they're made of and that can't, you can't get to that point without, you know, being a different person. So I think that's, that's sort of, you know, part of the journey. I think being a different person though, Reese. Uh, at one point, you were uh, doing a slight Gandalf impression with your <laughs> big, with your big stick. The we staff. need to turn this into a
3: meme. <laughs> we right. need to.
2: Honestly, it's amazing. Um, the- can you just explain <laughs> why you had a giant star
3: with you? At
4: that? <laughs> That's quite okay. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna make that into a meme this week. <laughs> I'm gonna edit that out. Um, <clears throat> oh, what, it, that God! I must have been like the last five, mi- last three miles, maybe. Yeah, it was. But yeah. I, my legs just gave up. Yeah. Like, they, I had nothing in my legs. I was like, I need something just so i, I saw that massive st- oh, that i, I was, gave it to you yeah i yay. found
3: it because like i thought it might help and I, I i just like offered it to him thinking like what are you on about he's like oh yeah please and it's so, like basically <laughs> rowing his way
4: to the finish line. <laughs> but i was like i'm gonna complete it no matter what and like that i he just got like my weight off you know and i was like oh it just so nice like because my legs at that point were absolutely gone and i don't know how long i used it for but for for however long I did it did really help even if it was just like a placebo thing of ah you've seen this in movies and you know we're we're getting we're getting there but yeah it, that that last that last kind of five mile part of the ultra was the weirdest that my body's ever gone through we came out the last checkpoint and i was on cloud nine i was i could run like i was like what the my body just started i was run like jogging all my inside of my groins, which was the hardest part was the chafing that was the hardest part of the whole race for me just so, so sore in between my groins i was like this just every time i run it's just cutting my legs um so somehow I just got through that pain. I was like, cool. And then I, we, I'd we i run it. What felt like 30 minutes was probably 10 minutes. And I was like, right, we've got about a mile left, right? And he's like, we've got four miles left. And I was like, what the? Because running on, when I do my normal runs, five miles is done within an hour, you know? And so when it, within an hour on an ultra is not within an hour on my normal runs, especially right at the end. And that kind of time, difference started bugging me out and got me more annoyed because I was like well this might take two hours to complete five miles which it probably did um,
2: yeah yeah, for sure when you're so close at the end like that as well you kind of like you get those little waves those little surges of as you say like you become super buoyant all of a sudden you're like I'm going to finish this now and you kind of mm. give it a dig and then you realise you've gone about half a mile and you're like <laughs>
3: oh. I've had that before it's mad when you just like the second wind kicks in and just all pain disappears for yeah. even if it's just fifteen minutes, you just feel great, and then then it comes back. Like, <laughs> but that. Not that hard though, yeah. <laughs> there was a bit memories where you almost just sat down by like a gate. It was about two miles off, and you were like kind of looking at this little ledge, like,
4: "Shall I sit down?" I didn't
3: say anything. I was, like, I don't know what to do for the best. He's like, "Nah, if I sit down, I don't get up. Let's keep going. Yeah,
4: like, come on in." That was probably one of my most proudest parts because literally there was it's like a it was like a seat um Yeah, a ledge. And it just was so, it was like saying, come here, brother, come here. <laughs> but I knew I'd just get too comfy and I'd be like, I could sleep. I might have a nap here for half an hour, get my energies back up. But no, we had to complete that bit. And it was the last bit was all it was is just look out for the road. When you find the road, you're there. And I was just like, the road, the road. <laughs> How did it feel to cross the line? Oh, man. See, that's what makes... If anyone asks me, oh, will you do it again? That feeling is priceless. And I haven't had that feeling in many things in life. Like, that's probably the most proud... That's the thing I'm most proud of that I've ever accomplished, ever. Um, Completing that race and kissing that sign. That, like, five-minute period of going into the room, chatting to everyone, having the hot drink is, like... You can't pay money. You actually can't pay for that, you know? Mm, yeah, yeah. You got, yeah, yeah. You have to yeah, earn that. You have to think. earn yeah. that. And earning that is like you're now in a special fraternity for life, you know?
2: For sure. Jim, what was it like watching that unfold? What, the last kind of. Just watching Reese get there. Like, you know, if you've seen him, you know, you've had five miles previous, he's you know, screaming at the sky and then, you know, he's, he's crossing the line and having a cup of tea and he's on cloud nine. Like, it was what, a lot.
3: It was like, I got emotional at the end as well because I think it was a mix of just the race. Like I was stressed about the race because Reese was like, oh, diabetes element, I'll be fine, I'll be fine. But I was like, but what if it isn't? What if something goes wrong? I was always thinking like worst case scenario in the middle of nowhere, can't get hold of us. So it was a mixture of, relief in the fact that he was okay um and also just like kind of proud of him and i know how like how much it meant to him we had a chat the night before He was like this is much more than just a race it signifies this and that um so yeah it was just kind of like a big just relief and rush of kind of emotions for both of us i think um but yeah when he kissed that sign i was like you boss <laughs> nailed it
1: yeah it was great well, I was going to ask you, so as far as kind of what the race meant to you, I mean, what, do you have a kind of message that you want, you know, people watching the documentary to to get from it?
4: Well, I think the main thing was like now, whenever I check Twitter or whatnot or any social media, it's, it's a parent just saying that they've watched it with their kid. And, you know, he, he wants, she or he wants to do an ultra one day and feels like they can accomplish anything. And I just can't imagine having any kind of, serious health condition and having to go to primary school or secondary school and kids calling your names because you've got a thing on your arm which monitors your blood sugar levels or having to prick your finger in the middle of class. And, you know, we all went to school with that one kid that had the thing, you know, and, you know, people would would bully them or make them feel different in some way. So to be able to now hopefully uh, impact them and make them feel less maybe insecure about being the different one uh was is a amazing feeling um yeah yeah i think that's that was my overall kind of feeling after finishing it and what i feel now is just that sense of like wow i feel like you know i've i've meant something to to someone especially younger people So that brings us to the end of this week's Runners
1: World Podcast. A huge thanks to our guests, Reese and Jim, and to you, of course, for listening. Please subscribe
2: to Runners World Magazine. You can get a special offer of just three issues for £5. Head to hearstmagazines.co.uk slash the Runners World Podcast to get this exclusive listener offer. You can find the Runners World Podcast wherever you want it, as, as you already have done, because you're listening. But you should tell your friends too. And then once you've done that, click subscribe to make sure that you get it every single time, every single week. When we uh, release brand new episodes like this one, which you're listening to. So thanks. Hold
0: up.